to the Indian Creek Baptist Church podcast. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. Our website is www.indiancreekbaptistchurch.org or our email address is info at indiancreekbaptistchurch.org. It is our sincere hope that through this podcast, God will speak to your heart and touch your life so that you may grow closer to him. Back, We're going to pick up again in Daniel as we continue our series, uh, Lessons in Obedience. We've looked at Jonah, we've looked at Ruth, we've looked at Esther, uh, and now we are going into Daniel. And as we saw last week, as we started our, uh, our messages here in Daniel, we understand that there is something very different about Daniel. Daniel is a young man. Uh, taken into captivity by Nebuchadnezzar, taken out of his home, and uh, him and his three friends. I mean, there were many, many others that were taken at the same time. But the thing that we see from Daniel is that Daniel is a young man full of conviction. Uh, from the very beginning, he knew who his God was. He knew uh, what his God wanted him to do, and he stood on it even in the very beginning. Uh Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not be defiled with the portion of the king's meat. He wanted to serve God and make sure that he was doing nothing that would uh, destroy that, even unknowingly. But on top of all of that, he had care and compassion for those that the king Nebuchadnezzar had put over him, for the eunuchs, for the prince of the eunuchs. And he didn't want them to suffer because of his decision, so... He offered a test. He put his own life on the line so that they could do what they needed to do and they could be blameless in front of the king. Knowing that at the end, whatever God decided, he was fully willing to do. And uh, it turns out that God really wanted Daniel to do this. And of course, we know and understand that Daniel and his three friends, their their countenance was found better. They were found fairer and fatter than all of those uh, Israelites that had taken the portion of the king's meat. So Daniel's wish was granted. His, his request was granted. He was given pulse and water uh, to eat and drink for the rest of his time there. And uh, those men that were over him, their lives were not put in any danger because of all of this. So we're going to pick up in Daniel chapter 1. And we're going to start in um, verse number 16, uh, the end of where we left yesterday or last week. Daniel chapter 1 and verse number 16, the Bible says, Thus Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar, and the king communed with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. And Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus. Let's pray. Father God, again, we do love you. We thank you for this glorious day. Lord, I pray as we study through this book of Daniel, Lord, that we would see a young man who is completely 
given to you. Lord, a man who is willing to serve you and serve you first, no matter what the circumstance. Lord, I pray as we study his life, we look at the lives of his three friends and the kings that he affected, that they affected, that we would see the possibilities in our own lives and that we would strive to live like Daniel, that we would strive to walk with you the way that Daniel did. So God, please guide us and direct us today. Speak to our hearts. Change us forever. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We looked last week in all of this and we understand that Daniel Daniel is only about 17 years old at this point. And for a young man at that age to be so grounded and rooted in the faith, in faith of God, is just amazingly impressive. But the other thing that we need to understand as we study through the book of Daniel is it didn't stop with faith. Faith requires action. Now the Bible tells us, for, great, for, for by grace are you saved through faith. It is our faith in what Christ has done for us on the cross that saves us, that guarantees our eternal life in heaven. No works in the world can give us that access to heaven. But faith also has to be proven. Faith has to be stood upon. Faith has to be acted out. Or it's not really faith. The Bible also tells us that faith without works is dead. Daniel here, as a young man, he and his three friends are willing to put everything they have, everything they are on the line to exercise their faith. And I just want to encourage us today to have the faith of Daniel. Verse number 18 tells us that at the end of the days that the king had said. This is now at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in. Then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. We understand that these young men, these people that were taken into captivity were to be held for three years, nourished and brought up, taught, and then brought in before the king to see if they would be able to stand. So if we understand that Daniel and, and his friends at the very beginning of their stay, at the very beginning of their captivity, purposed in themselves... They would not defile themselves with a portion of the king's meat. That for three years they have been eating nothing but pulse and drinking nothing but water. Pulse is a, a mixture of crushed up fruit and water. It's really all it is. They have been surviving on this very meager diet. Not only just those first ten days, but for almost three years at this point. And God has blessed in such a tremendous way. The Bible tells us that these four men were given wisdom in all matters and understanding. That Daniel himself was given understanding in visions and dreams. All of this given by God. 
And it tells us in verse 20 that in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, everything the king asked them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers. In all his realm. Nebuchadnezzar was king over 127 provinces. We looked as we looked at uh, the book of Esther, we understand that the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians, the kingdom of the Babylonians stretched from Jerusalem and Israel into Egypt all the way over to the Far East to where we would find India and China. This massive amount of land, all of these people and Daniel and his three friends were found ten times better than the smartest men in all of that realm. Isn't it amazing what God can do if we just walk in faith? God gave them this wisdom. They didn't read and study and memorize and struggle. We've been having some interesting times with Abby and Wyatt learning chemistry. I don't know about you guys. Chemistry was not one of my favorite subjects in school. Chemistry's hard. It takes them weeks of reading and studying, of a teacher lecturing, of highlighting and taking notes and memorizing in order for them to just pass the next test. God provided all of this simply because Daniel was willing to follow him. Psalm 23, written by David. When he wrote this psalm, he understood just how good the Lord is. Let me go back there. Psalm 23 is one of my favorite psalms. David is a, a man after God's own heart. And we know David is not perfect. David was a, an adulterer. David was a murderer. David had his times of wicked and evil things. But in everything, David always turned back to God and sought God's face, sought God's forgiveness. And God blessed him. And David writes in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If we read through this, looking at all the things that God did for David. We can understand as we know the story of Daniel that This is a short summary of Daniel's life. I mean, think about it. Daniel gives himself completely over to God. 
He purposes in his heart not to be defiled with the portion of the king's meat, and God provides him meat. God provides him water, sustenance. God continually restores his soul. God leads him in the paths of righteousness. God protects him and his friends in the valley of the shadow of death. Here in just a little couple of weeks, maybe next week, we're going to get into um, the fiery furnace. The interesting thing about the furnace is those three men, as they're bound and thrown into the furnace, they're bound in all of their clothes. Even says they have their hats on. All of their hoes and in their hats. And when Nebuchadnezzar looks into the furnace, he sees the fourth man with, like the Son of God walking around with him. They're all loose and walking around. And when they bring those three men out, the fourth man doesn't come out. He stays in the fire, by the way. But when he brings those three out, they can't even smell the smoke on them. I don't know about you guys, but I've sat around enough campfires. I've been around enough smokers in my life. It's hard to get that smell out. Daniel gets thrown into the lion's den. And God shuts the lion's mouths. The Bible tells us that those lions are so hungry the next day when Daniel's removed from the den that those men that, that charged Daniel, them and their families are thrown in and before they can even hit the bottom of the pit, the, Daniel, the, the lions have eaten them and had the mastery of them and destroyed them. It wasn't just because the lions weren't hungry that day. God protected him. Over and over again we see in Daniel's life the hand of God that just surrounds him. Because Daniel put feet to his faith. I've said it before, Psalm 23 is not just about the glory of God and what his mercies and blessings are. It's showing us what's required of us. If we want him to lead us in those green pastures and make us to lie down beside those still waters, we have to follow him there. If we want him to restore our soul, we have to give it to him to restore. We have to follow him on the path of righteousness. We have to follow him and stay with him through the valley of the shadow of death. We have to sit down at that table that he's prepared for us in the presence of our enemies. And allow him to anoint our heads with oil. All of those things are done. Before. The cup runneth over. Before. The goodness and mercy follow David all the days of his life. John 10. John 10 and verse number 10. The thief, the Bible says, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they may have life 
and that they may have it more abundantly. Life, and that they may have it more abundantly. How about James 4.2? James, who was beheaded for God, serving the Lord and had his head cut off for doing it. James 4.2 Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war yet ye have not because ye ask not. Matthew 17 Matthew 17 and verse number 20 And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Nothing shall be impossible. Luke 17. Luke 17 and verse number 6. And the Lord said, If ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say unto this sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. How about John 14? John 14 and verse number 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Are these not amazing promises from God? These are far more than promises, though. These are commands. God wants to bless you till your cup runs over. But we lack the faith to do what God calls us to do. You know, it's really hard to hand over that last $20 in your wallet to help someone. Knowing it's the last. And you might not be able to buy that Pepsi you're really craving on the way home. We are such a selfish society that if we don't see an immediate reward for us, we won't step out. If we have to wait a day, a month, a year until we get to heaven to see a blessing for us, we want no part of it. We forget verses like James 4.17.
James 4.17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. How about Romans 14? Romans 14 and verse number 23. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So often we see the valley of the shadow of death coming up. We see a hint of danger for the possibility of suffering in our lives. We say, no thank you. I don't want anything to do with that. God has given us more than we can ever imagine. But we don't see it because we don't believe. Not just because we don't believe, but because we don't act on that belief. Back to James 2. James 2 and verse 14. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe. It's kind of a convicting thought. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Yea, see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Now many will try to spend these verses and say that works are required for salvation. That's absolutely not the case. That's not what any of these verses have to do with. We started off with my beloved brethren. James is speaking to saved people. People who have placed their faith and trust in Christ and are doing their best to serve Him. 
These verses are simply saying that your faith has to be exercised. If you claim faith, that faith needs to generate work. Abraham believed God. He had faith in what God said. And to prove his faith, he offered his son on the altar. He didn't just say, I believe you, God, and go on with his day. He traveled, took his son Isaac, laid him on an altar, had the knife in his hand ready to kill his son on that altar. Completely willing, whichever way God allowed it to be, that that was the way it was going to be. They didn't mention Isaac. Isaac had so much faith in his father and in the God of his father that he willingly put himself on that altar. And watched as his father raised that knife. Without a fight. Without a word. Rahab the harlot, you remember her? She stood in Jericho as the spies went when Joshua was leading the children of Israel into the promised land. As the spies went and spied out the city, she hid them. The king came to her seeking those two men, and yes, she told a lie. She sent them off a different way. But it was her faith in God and understanding. She says, we know what God has done. We tremble at what God has done. Because of that knowledge, because of that understanding, she exercised her faith and saved those two men. And God turns around and brings her into the lineage of the King David and ultimately the bloodline of Christ himself as he was brought to this earth. Someone who had no business being a part of Israel. We saw Ruth just a little bit ago. Well, several months ago now. But we saw Ruth follow Naomi back, knowing that she was going into a hostile land with no means of supporting herself. Placing her faith in Naomi's God, making Naomi's God her God, and Naomi's people her people. And oh, how God blessed that. These people put effort to their faith. Daniel has faith in the promises of God. But without evidence, no one else can know that. Daniel's faith required him to step out. Over and over and over again. Almost a hundred years. Countless kings did Daniel serve. Knowing that he was exactly where God wanted him to be. They didn't have to throw him into the lion's den. He walked into the lion's den. The world didn't have to test Daniel's faith. He tested it himself. 
we spend our lives telling others, hopefully, about our great and powerful God who can save us from our sins so that we can spend eternity in heaven with Him. But we really do very little in our lives to prove that faith. You know, it's interesting. Most people will get even the smallest gift. I've talked a few times about this dear lady in Missouri that sends all of us a birthday card every every year. Christmas card. Or she'll just randomly send a card. And she usually includes whatever little bit of money she can. Most of the time it's a dollar. But when we receive those cards, we are immediately grateful and thankful to her. Because she took the time to think of us. Most people, when they receive even the smallest gift, have at least the decency to say thank you. We pound that into our children. Whether it's the lady at the bank that gives your kid a Tootsie Roll or somebody that gives them a new car. We remind them over and over again, what do you say? What do you say? What do you say? Desiring that they would at least just say thank you. Christ bought us with his own blood. He took the penalty of sin that was on us and paid it. Put it on himself. Yet, how much of the week do we spend serving ourselves rather than serving him? Sure, we attend services, and you're here today. Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. But then the rest of the week, how often do we worship God? Not only did Christ pay for our sins... God's love didn't stop there. God blesses us daily in so many ways that we never even know. The fact that our heart beats every time it beats, I can't control that. I might be able to control whether one of your hearts stops beating or not, but I can't control whether mine does. I can't make it beat. He gives us breath. He protects us over and over again. Who knows how many times we've just missed an accident. We had a an older gentleman. He was the uh, head electrician at Worlds of Fun and Oceans of Fun for 28 years. And he would come and, and he would help at the church down there in Missouri. It's a old opera house that was built in the 1890s. 
needed a lot of work. So he would come and he'd sit on his bucket and wire an outlet and we'd help him up and he'd go and sit on his bucket and wire the next outlet. Tremendous, tremendous man of God with a giving heart. And I remember one day he was driving home and uh, he was in kind of a hurry. Uh, he was of that age where he was starting to lose control of some of his faculties and he didn't want to embarrass himself. And as he was driving home, there was a, a work truck in front of him, a plumber or a pipe fitter, somebody that was carrying around a, about a 10-foot long piece of two-inch black steel pipe on top of the truck. And they stopped at the stop sign and the stoplight, and they took off, and that pipe came off the back of that truck and went right through his windshield. Just about clipped his ear. Stuck in the seat behind him. God protected him. Matthew 6. Matthew 6 and verse 25. We'll start in verse number 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought of your life, what she, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet of your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, or you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that, that ye have need of, Sorry, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought of tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. What about Philippians 4.6? 
Philippians 4, 6. This is Brother Jesse's favorite verse. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. I have to say I'm tired of living like this. I'm tired of being full of care about my bills, my clothes, and my stomach. I'm tired of serving mammon and God. I'm ready to just let, just serve God and let him worry about the rest. Amen. You know, if I'd been doing this in the first place... All those things that I'm careful for wouldn't exist. Because I wouldn't have made the decisions to put myself in those positions. You know, if my wife and I would just completely give ourselves to God, we'd never fight again. Ever. There wouldn't be a disagreement between us. If my kids and I would just give ourselves completely to God, we'd never have to discipline them ever again. There wouldn't be a reason. Daniel purposed in his heart, and God went above and beyond for him. Daniel put feet to his faith. Now, <laughs> Understand me, I'm not saying go out and quit your job. You're there for a reason. Go out and work that job because that's where God has you and that's your mission field. He said in Matthew 28, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. I'm tired of working because I have to pay bills. It's time I start working because I have to serve God. Daniel and his three friends do this throughout the entire book of Daniel. You know, God never punishes them. God never says one thing accusatory about Daniel or his three friends. <clears throat> Daniel is as close to human perfection as we could ever possibly be. The only time Daniel and his three friends are put in any kind of danger is because the world doesn't like their God. And every time, God's right there with him to show himself, show himself to the world. Let's start having the faith of Daniel.